Welcome to Listen Up America, a show about the truth, opinions, and thinking. A constitutional and conservative podcast in a world of woke cancel culture. We are the resistance. Coming to you from the LUA Podcast Studios, I'm your host, Eric. Welcome to this week's episode. We're going to start off with Kamala. (laughs) (laughs) That's our new border czar. And to some of us, the president, the chairman, Joe, he calls her the president. So I guess she's the president. She has left the White House and made more foreign trips than Joe has. I want you to think about that. What's happening is very unprecedented. Presidents go and meet other leaders, speak to them. They've been speaking to her. She's in charge of the border and whatever else. You can get the sense that somebody close to 80 years old gets a little sleepy and needs to take naps all day. So we're going to have Kamala run the country or be the face of the country. And it's pretty disturbing. I said, I've told you guys some of about her past, how she slept her way through San Francisco and becoming part of the in crowd for the future because you got to go through Willie Brown's bedroom to do that. So she uh, passed all those tests. She's apparently just above adequate in the sack. Remember, she ran for the Democratic ticket against all those goofballs, Chairman Joe included. And she didn't last but one debate and... uh one caucus, I think it was the Iowa one. And then poof, that was the end of that. She comes across and did then and will forever as condescending and weak and inept. She doesn't know anything. You can go back to when she debated Mike Pence and Mike Pence just objectively destroyed her. She, <laughs> she has that nervous laugh when she doesn't know what to do or say, or she's completely caught off guard cue the laugh. It's her, it's her nervous tick. I'd love to sit down and play poker with this broad. And, uh, if you're not good at playing poker, just go in there and don't say or do anything and just wait for her to laugh. And you know what to do. She has got the biggest tell when the laugh comes out, here come the lies. Here comes the, I don't knows. And, uh, you know, all that deflection of you're attacking me because I'm a woman of color. No, I'm attacking you because you're an idiot. Totally different. You know, she acts like she's African-American. She's absolutely neither. She is Indian with the dot because that's where her mother is from. And her father is from Jamaica. Neither one of those are African. You know, it's just this identity politics with her and people like her is like, you know, you can't challenge me because I'm a woman and I'm color and I'm the, no, I'm not challenging because of any of that. I'm challenging because you're stupid. You say and do stupid things. You believe and speak stupid, ignorant things. I have a problem with anybody of any race or gender. If you say something stupid, I'm going to let you know that was stupid. So she gets put in charge of the border. We all know this. And for the first almost 80 days, she hasn't done or gone anywhere. She had a conversation with the, she puts it the triangle, you know, down below Mexico to, I guess, introduce herself. And uh, nothing comes of that. Other than just come one, come all and storm the castle and all that good stuff. 
it just gets to be so obvious at how inept all of these people in this administration are that just have a feeling or an objection to something. Therefore they are somehow the most qualified, but have no clue on how to accomplish any of this other than just call other people names and make everybody feel bad, I guess. And I don't really run on my feelings. So good luck with that. So we're doing this. She takes off for El Salvador and Guatemala and we got clips and I'm going to play stuff to say it did not go well would be an understatement. I mean, you, of course, you know, Republicans are going to, and uh, Fox News, they're going to destroy her no matter what she does. Yeah, because she's stupid. But when MSNBC and NBC and ABC and the papers go, she embarrasses herself. When the White House, her own people, are like, what are you doing? Why did you say that? We'll play all the clips. This is a very clip-filled segment to give you that this isn't just me just being a hater. This is me pointing out that she's stupid. That little girl that wanted to ride the bus, but people like you, she's talking to Chairman Joe in the debate, wanted to keep me from riding that bus. She called him a racist in the debate, and she is the president or number two or whatever, by committee. I think from the White House perspective, I think they're putting her out there on purpose to expose her as the buffoon that she is. Look, America, you think this guy's bad? Look at this. And that should scare all of you because 80 million people, 50 million people, and a bunch of extra ballots chose these two to be our leaders. And this is what we get. Two of the most incompetent, unqualified people on the planet bringing in even more incompetent and unqualified people to run a department within the government. This is what we get. So this first clip, this is courtesy of NBC News with Lester Holt talking to the president or Kamala or vice chair, what, whatever we call her, he's talking to her. Play a clip. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I think you made the point pretty clear. You're in charge of something and you haven't even been there. And you're like, well, I haven't been to Europe either. <laughs> that has nothing to do with our border. Why would I want you to go to Europe? The old man's going to Europe. We will talk about that next week because I am sure that while he's at the G7 and going to go stand up to Putin in Geneva, I'm sure we're not going to have any material to bring to you so we can all laugh together. He said sarcastically. NBC's like, so you're in charge, but you don't even go down there. The reason they're not going down there is she'd have to go to all the places where the kids are stacked up like Chipotle burritos and all the unsafe conditions and all these things that they've been praying and begging for and have her attached to it because then it's just going to be propaganda because, well, it is, but it's a reality. She and Joe think they can just ignore it, but now even NBC News is like, you don't even go to the border. The point is he just called you out. <laughs> and it just gets worse while she goes down there. I don't know if you guys saw this, but she goes to uh, Guatemala. That was her first stop, I believe. And there were Guatemalans all over the airport and the roads leading in and out of there and uh, where she was going to go. She didn't just go down there to beat the presidents, by the way. She had like a little time for them. And then she took off for community organizers. They're not even politicians. She's going down there, probably talk to cartels. Nobody really knows. 
But she goes down there, and the people of Guatemala have signs out. Trump won. Go home. Get out of here. You're a liar. Like I said before, the people of Guatemala and El Salvador, uh, you know, Central America in general, the leaders of those countries don't want their people to leave. There's no sustainable future for them if their talent leaves. Now, you could say, well, their talent is like who cleans our toilets. Okay, you know, I got you, rich white person. That's what you think. But they have skills for their culture. And Kamala's like, well, we've had discussions, and I've got companies like Amazon and Walmart. They're going to go down there, and they're going to open up cheap slave labor. So instead of paying people up here 15, 20 bucks an hour, they're going to go down there and pay them one. Great, I guess. But Guatemala Silver doesn't want fake investment into their economy. They want substantial and sustainable. They have the means and resources. They just got to find a way to keep their talent to when kids leave to go get educated, to improve the educational system down there as they're fighting the crime down there, to make life better. And it's getting better. But when Santa Claus says, come on down, we'll give you everything for free. You can have health care. You can have schools. I'll even pay you to come. Come on down. What do you do? Well, apparently you come across and you tell your kids, good luck with the coyotes and everything and hope you don't get raped too much on the way up. That's insane. But remember, they're screaming, just come on down. Come on down. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Borders open. We want you. We need you. We need you. Our unemployment is through the roof, climbing. They can't find enough people to take jobs at the 12, 15 bucks an hour because unemployment's better than that. And uh, so why go do that? It, it's just, it's, it's a scam. Let's just import more low talent, uneducated people to do those jobs. Why don't we just let them run their lives and stay in their own countries and help build their own country up and improve their lives there for their country and their community and for the future generations. So we got to pillage so that people of LA in Beverly Hills and the people of Manhattan, you missed the spot on my toilet. I don't like little skid marks. I had, I had a rough meal last night. So clean that. Clean it your damn self. <laughs> no. Do you know who I am? No. Don't care either. We're going to play a couple of clips from the presidents. This one is from the president of Guatemala when he's asked, why is this all happening? And this is what he says. <laughs> Yamate says increased border crossings have been caused in part by the change of administrations in Washington. The message changed too. We're going to reunite families and we're going to reunite children. The very next day, the coyotes were here organizing groups of children to take them to the United States. So the president of Guatemala says, it's not Trump's fault. It's these new guys' fault. They opened the border and told everyone, come quick, come hard, and keep coming. El Salvador is asked the same thing. What's going on? And he answered with this. So, but if the richest country in the world says, if you cross over the border, we will give you free health care, free education, all these benefits. I mean, that's, that, that's a draw, isn't it? Of course, it's an incentive. I mean, it's, it's, everything, is, and everything in life is pros and cons, right? Yes. So you have for immigration, you have a con that probably you don't know the language or you have to, the, the journey is a difficult one. You may die in the journey. But if, if in the end, you will receive a lot of things, of course, it's a, it's a, the, the, the pros go up and the cons go down. So it depends. It's an incentive game here. All of this is true. Democrat policy is stealing the talent and the people of these countries for their own selfish needs. You know, they scream about, we got to get equal pay and got to do all these things. 
You know, you're bringing in the least educated, the least informed, the least capable. No skilled people and adding them to our payroll while we have veterans struggling. I mean, mental illness is running rampant. Just look at the homeless. We'll get to that later. And we're just like, no, bring in more. We're not asking for biologists or scientists or computer engineers. We're not asking for architects. No, no, no. We need people that can just hoe a shovel or use a mop. Whoa, Americans won't do it. They will. They're not doing it for free, but they do it. We've always done it. It has to be done. If it's not done by a 40-year-old man, it could be done by a 16-year-old young man that needs to just make some money so he can keep his car running. That's how it used to be. You know, a mom would, would have to send the kids to school. If she wasn't working full-time, she'd go work part-time. These all got done and would get done. But, you know, what's the point when she's going to bring in all this competition? So they're telling you from down south, the reason this is happening is because of you, Democrats, Chairman Joe, President Kamala, you. You all said, I'll give you all this. You run radio ads down there telling them all these things. Come up, come up, come up. And they are coming. It's not stopping. Cartels are making too much money. They're saying now it's $25 million a day. A day. Damn, I got to get myself a cartel. Maybe we should just start a white cartel. An American cartel. We could do that. Let's just do an American cartel. Let's just get everybody. If you're American, show me your papers. We're a cartel. We're going to do it ourselves. I just, it's, it's astonishing that they sit here and act like, oh, it's the orange man. It's the orange man. Really? Remember, they've, they've been screaming that since the beginning. And it's always been this way. Remember, they always said, this isn't special. This isn't a flood. This is always like this. You know, it was like this when Trump was around. It's always like this. It's seasonal. This time of year, it's always this bad. Except for their own acting HHS assistant secretary or whatever she is. She comes out and says this. And the numbers that we saw starting in March are simply unprecedented, especially the jump that we saw and the, the volume that we saw in each of those months. Do we all have a firm grasp of the definition of unprecedented? That means this is more than ever. It's never happened before. That means this is the most. By a long shot, that are coming constantly and bombarding this border. It's not seasonal. It's not all the time. This is the new norm because, remember, Kamala, a year ago, sent a tweet out. and It was some rhymey thing, but it was like, come one, come all, don't you fear for all or something. She wanted you all to come, and you did. Then she goes down to Guatemala and Mexico, and she's in Mexico on her way back, and she says this. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. Well, that makes you a racist. That makes you xenophobic. You do not like immigrants. You are horrible. Oh, wait a minute. You're not Trump. But when he said it, all that was true. She says it. Everyone's a bit concerned and perplexed of the words being thrown out there. Why is she sounding like the evil orange man? The bartender even called it inhumane. I mean, she had to speak up because she can't. She's as bad as Fauci when it comes to hearing their own voice. But yeah, no, don't come. Don't come. Don't come. Wink, wink. I was looking. I'm like, no, she didn't wink. She was kind of upset and mad and like stern. Like, hey, you do it. You mean like the orange man? No. Not like the orange man. Oh, it was the orange man. No. 
So what the hell's the difference? That's what I'm asking you guys. If when you listen to this podcast, you know, we have people that like it. We have people that don't like me and think I'm a, a nutbag. That's fine. So for you out there that think I'm nuts, if you hated Trump, the orange man, because of that, do you not now hate the Indian Jamaican lady that thinks she's the president? She just said it. Just asking. The White House has reactions to her trip. I have two clips from CNN, two different shows, that are going to share their reporting on how the White House feels about all this that she's now done. Play it. Poppy, it's no surprise that the White House was not thrilled by that answer, a little bit confused as to why she handled it that way. The the uh, obvious discomfort with Lester's question, the nervous laughter there, uh, uh, it's hard to understand because this is a question that the administration's been dealing with for months. Vice President Kamala Harris back in the United States this morning after a trip to Guatemala and Mexico, her first foreign trip as vice president. This morning, we're told that some of what she said on the trip, her answers to questions, maybe even obvious questions, those answers have White House insiders perplexed. It's not good when you're a Democrat and the media that builds you up turns on you and you've got NBC and CNN and ABC all going, bitch lost her mind, completely unprepared, completely unaware. She's had almost 80 days to do this, to get ready for this. And that's what we get. Don't come. I haven't been to Europe either. (laughs) It's baffling. So they do try to set it up. Okay, so they're doing a press conference in Mexico City, and Univision, we all know Univision, the racist, brown-only channel. There are no white people, there are no black people that work for these companies, it's all that. So they supposedly had a question come from a Univision reporter. They name her, set it all up, come to find out this woman is not the reporter they say she is. She doesn't even work for Univision. Univision put out a statement going, This woman, whatever her real name was, does not work for Univision. So the White House or Kamala's people or both planted a fake reporter to kiss her butt. Our next question will come from Maria Fernanda at Univision. Thank you, Madam Vice President. For me, it's an honor because I actually got to vote for the first time as a nationalized citizen, and I voted for you. So my question is, what would you say to these women, those mothers, and also women of color on both sides of the border, farmers, many of them who I see every day, um, as a message of hope, but also as what will you do for them in the next coming years? I'm sparing you the answer because it's just cackling and stupid. It doesn't answer anything because the question was pointless from a person who has no business. How did that person even get that close to the vice president of the United States? This is not the first time this has happened lately that reporters are just showing up and they're not part of any press corps. Someone showed up at the once in a lifetime Biden press conference, wasn't even a journalist, but was there and asked a question. That is some vetting right there. Every time they do this, they know they're going to get caught because there's actual reporters in there that aren't getting called on. They're going to be like, who the hell is that? And they're going to rat it all out and expose it. It's just absurd. The whole thing's just fake. Then an actual reporter from Univision challenged President Kamala, Vice Chair Kamala, whatever, the cackler. She's like a a villain in the Marvel Universe. The cackler. (laughs) They just asked her, when are you going to the border? And this woman is stone cold like, yo, when are you going? 
And this is how this all unfolded. I've said I'm going to go to the border. And I, when are you going to the border, the Vice President? The administration has asked. I'm not finished. <laughs> I've said I'm going to the border. And also, if we are going to deal with the problems at the border, we have to deal with the problems that cause people to go to the border, to flee to the border. And that is the root causes. So my first trip as Vice President of the United States was to go in terms of a foreign trip to Guatemala, to be on the ground there, to address and to, and to be informed of the root causes. Why are the people of Guatemala leaving? Do you have a date? Tiene una fecha para su viaje a la frontera para ver la situación con sus propios ojos? I, I will keep you posted. So you get all that, guys? Everything I've given you on this trip, everything she's been preparing for 80 days, and we got this. A clueless, unprepared, dim-witted, cackling idiot representing you trying to find out by going there well, why is this happening and the presidents and everybody's telling them you it's you that's the problem you and your buddy over there you open the floodgates you told them all to come you're going to give them everything for free it's you if there's nothing to win it's like we're an instant winner lottery up here for everyone south of you know in, of the border what if there were no more scratcher tickets and they were all losers if they did find one? Then they're not coming. There's a way to do this. We can invest in the governments that are legitimate and are sincere and so forth. And they're hard to find. But there's ways to do this like Trump was doing. Put the money into the people and the governments down there and to invest and to build infrastructure and things like that so that the citizens there are safer, educated, and can grow. That's what we got to do. If we're going to do something, that's what you do. But just stealing all their people because we're going to give them money, free everything. Why the hell would you stay? It's you. Kamala, you're the reason, you nitwit. So this last part, she was asked if she was going to talk to Mexico about their refusal to take back migrant families. And she says that was not discussed during the trip. Okay. So what did you guys talk about? Mexico says it's your fault. They all said the orange man ended under control and set the guidelines, put limitations and, and expectations on all of us. And we were living up to it and we were controlling everything. How the hell am I going to stop hundreds of thousands of people a month? By the way, just in April, 178,000 were caught and seen. Okay. Hundreds of thousands are coming across every month. That wasn't like that before. Unvaccinated, the whole thing. Just bring them on in. You got to wear a mask. And if you're going to go to college, kids, you're getting vaccinated. No, I'm not. So the lawsuits are going to be pouring in about that, which is great. But she goes down there to try to understand, figure out why this is happening. I'm going to save everybody the money and the time and the brain matter. It's the Democrats' fault. They changed the policies that were working. We get different results, which in this case, like almost always, is way worse than what we had before. Thank you. You're all welcome. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram page is at listen underscore up underscore America underscore. And our Facebook page is L-U-A podcast all together. L-U-A podcast on Facebook. So please join the community. Tell us what you think and uh, share with all your friends and let them know how awesome we are.
COVID time. Don't touch me, I'm sterile. I actually, probably like you guys, can't wait for this political football called COVID to just go away. We don't have to talk about this anymore. And we can talk about other stuff that entertains me. But it's not going away anytime soon because science, sarcasm, fraud Fauci won't let it go. He's going to ride this. He knows if he caves an inch, he exposes the truth and his hypocrisy and his criminal activity. I've been pointing that out for weeks and it's going to keep coming out. Christy Nome is the governor of South Dakota. This is what she said about St. Fauci. Now, Dr. Fauci told me that I would need 10,000 hospital beds on my worst day. On our very worst day, we had 600 people in the hospital. I don't know if you've heard this before, but Dr. Fauci is wrong a lot. A lot. That's that over-exaggeration, this panic-stricken attitude of let's freak everybody out and tell them that hell's coming and you're not going to be ready for it. Except it didn't come, except in those states that were democratically run, California, Michigan, New York, for example, that found a way to kill all the old people in droves. But everybody else was pretty much just like a flu season, if that bad. And oh, do we have some more information about all that to follow here. Fauci is now out there because his emails are out there. The hypocrisy is out there. His need to be a celebrity and to be in front of cameras and to do new magazine articles and all that stuff, that is the priority and has been the entire time. Not reading emails. See, he's the victim. If, if you don't like him, but by the way, he refers to himself in the third person. It's that bad. If you don't like Fauci, then you don't like science. Now, the people that are reading the emails and were part of the email process or trying to raise flags and say, hey, yo, look over here, look over here. And he's like, yeah, the email's too big. You, you read it. I got an interview to do. I got a baseball game to go to. I have to go out on CNN and, and I got to scare everybody in South Dakota and tell them they're going to need 10,000 beds. All propaganda, all lies. But the people that have been riding him the most are the scientists that work in his field and in his offices, in his departments, at NIH, at the CDC. That's where they work. And they've got a problem with this. And they know what's a show. I was going to say something else. It's a joke. The media on the right wing can read and can ask questions and go, look, this scientist and this scientist and this group and these 25 people wrote a letter and you just blew it off. So you're telling me, yes, St. Fauci is the end all be all. And the rest are just little peasants because they don't, how could they possibly know? They're not me. I'm Fauci. He refers to himself in the third person. I will play a clip, but in a minute. The guy is beyond full of himself. His celebrity saintly status is all that matters. So he went on MSNBC on Rachel Maddow, you know, the little boy, at least the little boy haircut. And just, well, sh she's gay, but she, she firmly plants her lips square on his butt. And she was smooching for a while and setting him up to come out and, you know, go ahead. You tell the world how the Fauci is the victim. Good to be with you, Rachel. Thank you very much for having me. Um, 
first of all, let me just ask if I'm being fair. Am I am I building you up to be uh, thicker skinned about this than you are? Are you actually worried about this new sort of re-upping of attacks on you? Well, I'm concerned about that more because it's really very much an attack on science, I think, Rachel. Uh, you know, you, you spoke and, and I think accurately depicted the growing, extraordinarily productive relationship that I had with the activists when they came to me with legitimate concerns that the federal government, the scientists, the regulatory enterprise didn't fully appreciate that you needed to involve them in everything you do because it was their lives that were at stake. So I did reach out to them, and it turned out to be an extremely productive relationship. They got my attention in a very theatrical, confrontative, iconoclastic way, but they were fundamentally good people. They were not anti-science. What is the thread going through what's happening now is very much an anti-science approach. So that's a big, big difference. I mean, it is what it is. I'm a public figure. I'm going to take the arrows and the slings. But they're just they're fabricated. Uh, and, and that's just what it is. But we'll, we'll we'll just have to do our jobs, Rachel. My job was to make a vaccine and use my institute and this talented scientists that we have there and that we fund in the various universities to get a vaccine that was highly safe and highly effective. And we succeeded. That's what I do. All the other stuff is just a terrible, not happy type of a distraction. But it's all nonsense. So if you didn't know or catch it, the activists that he is railing against are the scientists and medical experts of this country and this world saying, dude, you're, you're not doing it right. This is not correct. You're conveniently dismissing obvious avenues of where this comes from. He, he brags about how my job was to come up with the vaccine. Look at me. <laughs> uh, the guy doesn't work for Pfizer. The guy doesn't work for Moderna. He doesn't work for Johnson and Johnson. He didn't come up with crap. We clear on that. He did not come up with a thing vaccine related. Nothing. He told you, you need to go out there and do it. Cause you know, I'm Lord Fauci and uh, you just got to do it. What about all the trials? Have we done enough studies? It doesn't matter. A scientist is like, oh, it freaking matters. This guy's not a scientist. He's a media mogul now. His ego is out of control. And a lesbian was smooching an old white man's ass right there in front of you. That's media. That's uh, science. So we're going to play the next clip. This is where he refers to himself in the third person. I thought it was awesome. So this is the ego of the fraud Fauci. Now you're at the focal point. What is your level of concern that we're going to discredit public health officials to the point of, you know, look at Russia. They actually have a good vaccine and none of their citizens will take it because they don't trust their own government. Right. It's very dangerous, Chuck, because a lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. Because all of the things that I have spoken about consistently from the very beginning have been fundamentally based on science. Sometimes those things were inconvenient truths for people, and there was pushback against me. 
So if you are trying to, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. And anybody that looks at what's going on clearly sees that. You have to be asleep not to see that. That is what's going on. Science and the truth are being attacked. This is called damage control. It's not my fault. He used the word consistent. What has he been consistent about? Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Wear two masks. Get the shot. Hold on the shot. We got to go through some testing on the shots. Do the, You know, the guy is the most inconsistent. And that's why, courtesy of Gallup, 40% of Americans think he's telling the truth. That means 60% think the guy is full of crap. I would be one of those. And I bet most of you out there that are even given this a, a, a bit of time and consideration are going, this guy is full of crap. He uses his, <laughs> he referred to himself in the third, an attack on science, an attack on Anthony Fauci, said Anthony Fauci. Okay, meathead. Um, the scientists are the one challenging you. The medical professionals on this planet are the ones saying, you're wrong, dude. And we're only as logical people, the 60% that are going, well, that makes sense what the scientists are saying, because that doesn't make any sense. And I'm sorry, I may not be, you know, some virologist, but I do have a head on my shoulders with a brain. And I know that this clown sent money from our country and our taxpayer collected money to China for the sole purpose of gain of function, which we went over last week, to exaggerate, expand on, and make a flu-like virus worse. I got a question. Everyone's raising their hand up at the same time going, why would we do that? Well, we needed to create vaccination processes so that we would be prepared for... Well, if you've been working on this for years, where's the vaccine? Shh, you asked too many questions, Eric. Back in February of 2020, okay, guys, there's a report out there on the news. Chinese military scientist files for patent for Chinese vaccine. That was in February of last year. The military had nothing to do with it. It decided it's just a wet market. But the guy in February of last year, this is pre-freakout. It's close to the freakout, but it's before the freakout. A military scientist in the Chinese government is filing for patents. <sighs> they had nothing to do with it. Wuhan? Nah. Makes no sense. I mean, if they're not messing around with it, they just, you know, hey, snap your fingers. Boom. Hey, there's the, the vaccine right there. Or you've been screwing around with it the whole time. This could have been a financial play. I mean, obviously destroying economies and, and just helping China. Absolutely. But maybe they thought, we'll create the illness, we'll have the vaccine, and we'll sell it to everybody. And maybe Trump and the rest of us are like, pound sand. We're not paying for this. It's no different than being hacked. We'll get to that later. And demanding ransoms. Maybe that was the play. I don't know. But I'm smart enough and open-minded enough to think about other options than what the hell Fauci's got to say. Okay, you guys, you all know how I felt that these numbers are extremely exaggerated from the beginning, that there has been documentation of people who have been shot in the head and run over by trucks and so forth. I mean, even George Floyd had COVID and they tried to make him a COVID death, but yeah, here we go. Alameda County, California. If you don't know where that is, that's the Bay Area. It's called Oakland, okay? Cal Berkeley, 
is there in Alameda County. The county and their coroners got together. The health department said, you know, we should probably double check these numbers. And they did. And guess what they found? They revised COVID death in the county of Alameda down 25%. The numbers before was 1,634 people died. Now the number is 1,223. If it happened in Oakland and Berkeley, what about San Francisco? What about LA? What about Chicago and New York and Baltimore and Detroit and Philadelphia and Minneapolis? And the list goes on and on. We could talk about St. Louis and Miami and Atlanta. These are all liberal cities. You want to bet they lied and fudged the math? And eventually, be it now, in the coming months, coming years, numbers will be revised. And the 500,000 plus that have died in this country from COVID will be more like two, 300,000. Still a big number. But when you look at the perspective of the big picture and the death rates that Fauci said we had to hit to call the pandemic, and you take those numbers to it, guess what we just went through? Just a flu season, not a pandemic. Greatest overreaction of all time. And I'm going to finish this segment with just one thing for you guys to all consider. A report also came out this week. Are you ready for this? We're talking about vaccines and everyone's got to get it or else and you're just, life isn't going to be normal. 50% plus of people that work at the CDC and NIH, no, Fauci land, have not received the vaccine. Well, if it's the science and these people work for you, why aren't they taking it? And if they're so stupid as you'd like to put it, then why aren't they fired? Or maybe they're the smartest people in the world that have been dealing with all this while this guy is mugging for the camera. Something to consider. It's crime time. Go ahead. Make my day. This is becoming one of my more interesting and fun segments. I really enjoy reading these stories and sharing them with you because a lot of the stuff you guys don't hear about because maybe it's regional or, you know, depending on where you get your information from, they're probably not even going to talk about it. But there's a clip. And remember, I talked about earlier about hacking. So you guys all know the pipeline got shut down. The meat company got shut down. Oh, by the way, they paid like $11 million to uh, get their stuff back. So on ABC News this week with George Stephanopoulos, Clinton guy, he has on the Biden Commerce Secretary, and they're talking about cyber attacks. If governments should be coordinating with businesses for protection or providing cover in the first place, the government of the United States, before we get into the clip, needs to hold the other governments accountable. This is the way we're going to fight? Then let's fight. Shut down the bad guys for a day or two and let them get a real taste of it. But our government should be doing more with, you know, well, Al Gore should be doing more. He invented it, right? Protect it. This is absurd how vulnerable because people click on an email and then, you know, they get so the bad guys away in, I guess, and they hack away and get access, shut things down, change passwords, whatever. Boop, you're out of business. More has to be done. Play the clip. 
Let's start with these cyber attacks. Eight attacks every day in the United States right now. They're targeting food, they're targeting gas, they're targeting television, our water supply. Does the government have to do more to force businesses to protect themselves and their customers? So I think the first thing we have to recognize is this is the reality and we should assume and businesses should assume that these attacks are here to stay and if anything will intensify. The reality is your government just told you, you're on your own. We're not going to get involved in this and it's going to get worse. It only benefits them in their mind because big picture is they don't want any of this to be going well. They want catastrophe. Why would they want catastrophe here? I don't understand. For power and control. Are you not paying attention to the last hundred years? Never let a crisis go to waste. Never let it go. You see it coming, let it happen. Tell people it's going to get worse before it gets better. They always tell you, that's what they told you about the border. Let's tell you about the economy. Obama's telling me, this is as good as it's going to get. We're never going to be like we used to be. And then Trump comes in and goes like, poof. Oh, yeah, about what he said. He's full of crap. I'm the orange man, and we're going to make money. And we did. Democrats love chaos. They love seeing it come. They love creating it. They love pushing it. Take a little match to that little lighter fluid and just let things blow up. Every time, you just have to watch. Pay attention, and you'll see it. So yeah, it's going to get worse. And at some point, people are going to die because of it, other than prices just going through the roof. But this is our reality. She just said so. So I got this one. This was funny. This was from a couple of weeks ago, and I, I've been saving it because it's just too good. So there's the mayor of Rochester, New York, Lovely Warren. She's a Democrat. This is a shocked face. She is questioning the timing of authorities arresting her husband on felony drug and weapon charges after he was arrested as part of an ongoing drug investigation this week. Oh, by the way, she's super anti-gun. Except for her and her husband, they get to have all the guns and apparently the drugs because, of course, the mayor's, I'm not resigning. <laughs> she flat out now. So we are all supposed to believe that Mayor Lovely Warren has no idea her husband has guns, has no idea he's, <laughs> he's shuffling drugs all over Rochester. He's like a kingpin. Oh, God. Yes, this is a true story. I swear to you, this is a true story. Her husband, Timothy Granison, so can't even have the same name. He emerged as a suspect three months ago in an investigation being conducted by Rochester police and the area's narcotics team, which launched seven months earlier than that. The dude has an illegal firearm. Actually, he had three. He had two kilos of powder and crack cocaine, three firearms, 100000 in cash, just carry money. Just, just, just going around town, flash money. $100,000, three guns. I want to take your guns away. You're killing everybody, says the wife of the guy who's literally killing everybody with drugs and protecting himself with not one, not two, but three guns. But he's carrying the change. He's got the cheddar. hundred grand in cash. Is that awesome? That's awesome. Down in LA. I got some stories about LA because this is pretty good stuff. So... Eric Garcetti is the mayor of LA. We call him yoga pants because he literally wears yoga pants. He's, he's a very um, non-masculine man. And he does say he identifies as a man, so I'm not offending anybody. He uh, is out. So the nutbags of California, as you all 
if you don't know, you will know. Because I promise you, as the recall picks up steam, we will spend some time on that, on who's all running. But the mayoral race of LA is no different. If anything, it brings out even more kooky people. But there was a gentleman out there, uh, he's a city councilman. So he goes out to Venice. For those not aware, Venice Beach is becoming a very public hotbed of controversy of homeless. Just to the north of Venice is Santa Monica. Santa Monica is where like UCLA and a lot of Hollywood people live. And it's right on the beach. Well, part of the community is, but it's also inland. And they have no homeless issues really there because the police in Santa Monica kicked them out and they end up on Venice Beach, which used to be nice and is not nice at all. So the boardwalk of Venice Beach, and you know, for those old enough, Muscle Beach and things like that, yeah, that's just homeless encampments. There are tents and pop-ups everywhere in that community where the boardwalk businesses are closing because they can't, it's unsafe. There are fights. There are people like lighting fires and blowing up their tents because they're cooking inside their tent or whatever, be it meth or food, who knows? It, it is complete chaos. LAPD is not allowed to do anything because Garcetti and his councilman, his name's Bonin. Some people just call him Boner. He's all for it because he's a Santa Monica guy that wants everybody thrown into Venice Beach. Well, while this mayoral candidate is talking to the people of Venice, a young lady decides to threaten people with a knife and tried to stab some people. And the cops get her and tackle her and they take the knife away and then they arrest her and stuff. And she's threatening to shank everybody. See, a lot of people in California and outside think that all the homeless are just Californians losing it. No. This broad was from Washington, the state. Most of what we see down here in Southern California are from other parts of the country. Well, we got the weather. And also, it's communist utopia, California. We give everything away. So you can just, you know, we give you needles so you can shoot up more. Here, you need, take a clean needle. We don't want you to get the AIDS. We just want you to OD on the street. So don't get the AIDS. So here's a clean needle. There's no logic to it. Then the, the needles are used and dropped on the streets. So health workers go and pick them up and the sanitation company's got to go pick it all up. And then meanwhile, if you want to go for a walk in Venice or anywhere, go in the Bay Area of San Francisco. You, you can't because there's needles everywhere. And you guys are like, it, can't. it is that bad. They give out tens of thousands of needles a month in all of these different cities I'm telling you about. Because they don't want anyone to get, you know, hepatitis. No AIDS. No, you can't have that. Just, you know, doing hot shots of fentanyl and God knows what and croaking right on the street. That's good, though. It, there is no logic to it. It's insane. But this goes on. So this happened. So the funny story I tell you is LAPD is not allowed to do it because the mayor basically, you know, he tells the LAPD commissioner, you're not doing this. The commissioner of every police department in the country serves to the whim of the mayor. And if you don't do what the mayor wants, the mayor will fire you and replace you with someone that will. The sheriffs across the country, very different. They don't answer to nobody but the voter. And what's going on in Southern California and California in general is crime is through the roof. I've told you about this. And uh, even the communists and the socialists and the Marxists of California are like, this has to stop. We have to find another way. We need to be building facilities for these people so they're off the streets. Well, we're going to raise your taxes. No, no, no. You're not raising my taxes. Just because I make like $1.8 a year. Come on, not me. I don't make anything. Tax Amazon and Google. Yeah, that's how they. That's how this all gets the way it is. I don't want it, but you know I'm not going to do anything about it. Oh, okay. 
Well, Sheriff Villanueva is the sheriff of L.A. And in the beginning, you know, he got elected. It's kind of interesting. I've been watching him and listening to him. So when he first got elected, and this was like two, three years ago, a lot of people that had common sense in the L.A. area and the counties of L.A. were like, hey, this guy's a political hack. He's saying he's going to do whatever, da-da-da-da. And it's all the left-wing stuff. And now I may be leaning to going, this guy did that to get elected. Like, he played the game. I'll tell you all what you want to hear. And then I'm going to watch crime go through the roof. And then I'm going to put on my cowboy hat. He literally put on a cowboy hat. Awesome. Awesome. And he basically told the councilman and the mayor of LA and the cities to eat his shorts because the sheriff's in town. And if there's a city within the county, he's going in. So he is, and there's a clip we're going to play. He's going in to Venice Beach. And he has like 20 cops there in the line. He goes, by the 4th of July, this will all be gone. That is very ambitious. And I wish him and his deputies the best of luck. He's bringing in like, he's got deputies that are like homeless um, specialists and things like that. I forget what they called the group. But he's, he's not just going to just beat them with a nightstick or anything like that. He's like, talk to him, find out. They already know that most of these people aren't even from California. I'm like, here's an idea. Let's get a bus and start putting them on that and, you know, return to sender. Washington, she's down here. Join the weather and the free goods, the freedom to do whatever you want. Pee, poo, have sex, shoot somebody, hit somebody, stick a knife in somebody. It doesn't matter. I'm crazy. We know you're crazy. You got to get off the damn streets. So the sheriff filling away was like, enough. So it's gotten so bad for him with the politicians of the area that they, they believe he has tattoos that talk about the Bandidos. And the Bandidos is the East Side Sheriff gang. Like, if you're a sheriff and you're in this, you're a part of our gang and you get the tattoo. And you know, they think it's like a whole thing. And so he put on Twitter, um, this is great. And he puts it out there and says, I'll tell you what, you do this and I'll show you, because I don't think the dude has one tattoo. But here, listen to this. The, the people city council is mostly white people from the west side of town who live in very expensive mansions. I think you need to put your money down. Let's create a fund, a big fund, and you pay into that fund, and let's see if I have those tattoos you think I have. By all means, put your money where your mouth is. Let's put it down there, all right? So those huge leftists that elected him in the first place. <laughs> they want him gone. But it's only the politicians, the people in Venice and Santa Monica. Everyone's like, I like the guy. You sh- if you don't know your sheriff in your local community, you should probably be looking out because chances are there's some amazing people. One of the shows, oh God, I miss it. Live PD was on A&E and was the highest rated show on cable Friday and Saturday nights. It's like three hours of just awesome. And, of course, BLM comes out, so that destroys that. And I'm like, somebody bring it back. It'll be watched by twice as many people. Guaranteed it. But they had sheriffs from all over the country. Sheriff Lamb from down in Arizona. Amazing guy. Looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I know a lot of 40-year-old, 50-year-old women just, like, drool over the guys. Like Tom Selleck of sheriffs kind of thing. (laughs) You know, you got sheriffs down in uh, Texas that was just awesome. And you had another one out in South Carolina um, just awesome, awesome human beings. And then their deputies are just, they were repeat characters. That was the cool thing about it is you got to know these people. 
you know, it just wasn't cops where this week you got a cop and you don't know anything about him or won't. You never even see him again. But every week we were in Salinas, California. We were in South Carolina, two departments in Texas, one on the border, one right in the middle. They were in Louisiana. They were in Florida. They were in Washington, Nevada. And we got to see these folks, these deputies and sheriffs do the job that most people have nothing to do with of all races, all genders. There is a young man in South Carolina, Deputy Garrow Brown. You should look him up, G-A-R-O Brown. You can't miss him. He's about 6'7", six, 6'8", six, uh, probably about 290. He's a black Hulk Hogan in the prime. The dude is jacked. And watching him intermingle with the community and dealing with the black community in, in most cases, because that's where the crime was going on, he get called a racist. And he's like, looking at his arm, looking at them, and looking at his arm, he goes, you know I'm black, right? <laughs> I, know you're a, I know you're high as a kite, but I am black. He's six foot eight, like 300 pounds. He's awesome. Addy, they have uh, the lieutenant there. Can't remember his name, and I wish it would. Um, the guy was a drug animal sniffing. He knew cars away. That guy's got drugs. Pull him over, guy's got drugs. Every time. They go, Texas, amazing. And watching them put their lives at risk in these high-speed chases, stuff like that. It's just awesome. So we got Sheriff Villanueva, who does what he, it looks like he did what he had to do to get elected. And now he's flipping the script, and now he is, he goes out in the Antelope Valley. That's where Edwards Air Force Base, Lancaster Palmdale is, if, if that helps. And the cartels have hundreds of illegal pot crows going out in the desert. And you can't see them from the road because they build up like dunes like they would in like Iraq, like just build up the dunes so you can't see over it. And, but by a helicopter, you can see everything. They go and bust a 70-unit greenhouse. So this is like the green tubes. Can't see it from the flat grounds on the road. Flying over. He takes bulldozers in. Oh, yeah, it's cartel. They, the, the estimates on how much pot they destroyed is 50 million plus in just one. But he flew around about three weeks ago with the news media and said, that's one, that's one, that's one, that's one. And he goes, so basically we're at this point. I'm tired of it. And I'm sending in my crew and my sheriffs and we're going to have task force and we're going to go in there and I'm blowing that crap up. And he did. And he's still doing it. So he goes, I'm going into Venice Beach. And now the council people are like, you have no jurisdiction. He goes, last time I checked, Venice Beach is within the confines of L.A. County. And even like attorney generals are like, he can do it. <laughs> oh, bring in the hammer. Um, and, he, and he's not doing it to disrespect LAPD. He knows their hands are tied. He goes, we have a great relationship we work with. We're here to support. You know, we do interagency activity all the time. This isn't a slap at LAPD. He knows they're not allowed. Nobody tells the sheriff of LA or the sheriff of any county in this country what to do. The sheriff says, I'm doing this. And when it's time to get reelected, he's like, this is what I did. And they'll be like, keep that guy. Why do you think Sheriff Joe, the famous sheriff in Maricopa County, was there for like 40 years? So to all the sheriffs out there, I salute you. Way to go. Cowboy up and start Breaking necks and <laughs> doing what you got to do. But we got a clip here. This is from a local um, news channel out here in L.A. And I'm just going to play it. It's a couple of minutes. It's going to kind of give you a, like what's going on. And it, it's I've told you, don't come. And then they talked to some tourists 
to give you like the tourist opinion of like, I should listen to Eric. <laughs> Play the clip. Has the homeless crisis in Venice reached a boiling point? LA County Sheriff Alex Villanueva is saying enough is enough. And he now wants his deputies to help clean up the Venice boardwalk, which is actually patrolled by the LAPD. Here's KCAL 9's political reporter, Tom Waite. LA County Sheriff Alex Villanueva is calling out LA Mayor Eric Garcetti and City Councilman Mike Bonin, who represents Venice, saying they're not doing enough to solve the homeless crisis. So he is stepping in. We're sending our deputies there. LA County Sheriff Alex Villanueva says his team will be out in Venice Beach Tuesday morning. It's LAPD's jurisdiction, but the sheriff says the homeless crisis is forcing his hand and he's getting involved. Our host team, which is a homeless outreach service team, they're going to be there uh, tomorrow morning, bright and early. They're going to start interfacing with the homeless, start doing their assessments and figuring out where everybody is in their transition from being homeless to being housed. Villanueva says he's not trying to start a turf battle. He says he's trying to help. And I'm not going to blame LAPD whatsoever. I think they can definitely do the job. They're more than capable, good leadership. However, if they're hamstrung by politicians, don't want them to do their job, well, then they're left in a very, very bad situation. I want to see the boardwalk full of tourists. The sheriff was on the boardwalk Monday around the same time this happened. Drop the knife, drop the knife. A woman armed with a knife was arrested where Councilman Joe Boscaino was speaking about the city's homeless crisis. An LAPD captain who works on Boscaino's security team was cut by the knife, but he was not seriously hurt. Boscaino is running for mayor of L.A. The tent in encampments here have taken center stage in the homeless crisis. It's a stunning sight for these I mean, tourists. Being first time in Los Angeles, just seeing all this garbage, I probably wouldn't visit here specifically again with it just being so dirty and feeling unsafe. It's a little overwhelming, kind of gross and just a little nerve wracking with certain individuals around. It's sad too, yeah, right? Definitely. Sheriff Villanueva says state law is on his side. He has the legal right, he says, to send in his team. We asked Loyola Law Professor Jessica Levinson. Under the California Penal Code, the LA County Sheriffs have jurisdiction anywhere within the county. Villanueva is calling out some of LA's top politicians. I have to go to the city level. What is Mike Bonin doing? And I'm going to have to throw some of this on Mayor Garcetti. What directions do you give to the LAPD that restrict their ability to do their job? We reached out to LA Mayor Eric Garcetti's office, Mike Bonin's office, and the LAPD. None got back to us with comments. Reporting from Venice, I'm Tom Waite, KCAL 9 News. So something else to consider, and this is the reality. If, if someone wants to be successful and good at their job, you got to consider everything. L.A. Sheriff, this year, 2021 alone, and we're only just the beginning of June, 440 L.A. County deputies have left, quit, retired, transferred, moved on. And all of the reports, because they do the exit interviews, things like that, everything was violence towards the sheriffs and the homelessness existential threats. So the sheriff says, I'm going into the communities, and I'm going to clean it up. So he's putting his money where his mouth is. He wants his deputies to stay. He wants them to be safe. He wants the community to be safe. And if that means he's got to step up and push the envelope and take some heat so his people will be safer and they'll stay, then it sounds like that's what Sheriff Villanueva is willing to do. We'll keep an eye on him because, you know, in the end, they are politicians. But he's a politician with a gun and an opportunity. And so far, he's embracing it. Let's keep our fingers crossed. So up in Palo Alto, California, there was a robbery. 
there's a manhunt for 11 suspects that coordinated attack on a Louis Vuitton store. If you don't know it, it's a very expensive store for handbags. And the 11, they don't mention race, but they show video photos, black people, went in and routed $100,000 with the bags and took off. So they're being looked after. Thought that was kind of fun. And let's close off this segment with companies lobbying Gavin Newsom, Adolf Newsom, the governor that's getting recalled out here, helped pay his wife's salary report fines. Companies with a history of lobbying the state of California, including PG&E, Kaiser Permanente, that's socialized medicine, Comcast and others have donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to Gavin Newsom's wife's nonprofit over the past several years. Yeah, her nonprofit is she makes movies that no one watches, like documentaries and crap like that. We'll pay for the old lady's hobby. You just give us everything we need so we can build our crappy hospitals everywhere. We can shut down electricity all we want because our transmission lines are coming from out of state. Instead of having electricity, we're just going to ship it in and burn down the state every year. And we're going to blame the climate. (sighs) Whatever. Now that we've got past the first hurdle with Newsom, California conservatives need to continue the road to take California back. Any California conservatives interested in being part of this movement are invited to the Recall Candidates Virtual Roundtable presented by Take California Back and Defend California on June 29th at 7 p.m. Please visit our Facebook and Instagram sites for more details. America's least favorite bartender is uh, mugging again for the microphone and the camera. So she's supporting, she came out this last weekend, a fellow progressive Democrat, Maya Wiley for mayor. Now these two peas in the pod, it's just lovely. Uh, Maya's all about defunding the police, get rid of NYPD, the largest police force in the entire country, because, you know, they're horrible people. Right. Oh, by the way, New York City people, the community, the population of New York City, 72% want more cops on the street, while only 20% want less. What percentage of people are probably committing crimes right now? Uh, 20%? Maybe. But the bartender can't, she cannot be on the right side of history, and she never will be. She says to fix crime, we need to stop building prisons, people. Let's just stop building the prisons, shut them down, and let's go from there. Because that's the problem. Oh. Not the fact that they don't go to school and they don't get an education and they run the streets and mom or dad and or both or neither aren't paying any attention or giving a crap. Nope. That's not the problem at all. Nothing to do with stability and family. Nope. Having a little Jesus Christ in her life. Nope. We're building too many prisons. Well, that's... That's called the effect based on the cause. See, there's cause and effect. You ever heard of that, you nitwit bartender? This girl couldn't make a gin and tonic. Couldn't. But she's out there telling everybody, you know, who to vote for mayor because less cops. Yeah, that's what we want. Good news is, obviously, there's no chance in hell this broad is going to get elected mayor. So uh, that's good. They said, I've been to New York. 
and I was lucky enough to go in the late 2000s. This was, uh, Bloomberg was the mayor, but he was still riding the coattails of Giuliani and the safety and the environment. I mean, New York is just an amazing city. And when it's not being shot up and drugged out and homeless everywhere, we walked everywhere in the city. Everywhere. We're in mid-Manhattan and upper Manhattan. We got to the Bronx and we're up there at Yankee Stadium and Central Park. And have not one issue at all. New Yorkers are awesome. And this broad just wants to blow it all up. Just turn it back into, like I said, one of my favorite movies growing up was... Warriors come out to play. Warriors come out to play. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it because it's great. That was the 70s, and that was New York in the 70s. Oh, they can't wait to go back. They always talk about conservatives want to go back and, you know, went back to the time of the 50s and the wife is in the house. Ain't nothing wrong with this. I'll go in the house. My wife wants to work. I'll stay. Either way, I don't care. Family's important. And that's why my kids aren't criminals. That's why my kids are going to college and why they got 1300s on their SATs and all that business. Because it's important. And we showed them the value of this. One's in college. One's being recruited by, we've got the count now. It's up to 51. 51 universities want my son to come run. It's awesome. But here we are, the bartender. I have to end the show on this. Remember last week I told you about my abuela. My abuela is living in squalor down in Puerto Rico because the evil man took the money away. Even though all the politicians in Puerto Rico were corrupt and were using the money for their own benefit, not giving it to the communities that needed it to rebuild after Hurricane uh, Maria. Nope, it's the orange man. So, did you hear about Matt Walsh? conservative commentator, author, started a GoFundMe page right after we shot this last week to raise money for AOC, for the bartender's abuela who's just living in horrible conditions. You know, remember, I have to clarify, I said she had two apartments in, in Manhattan. No, she only has one there. She's got another one in D.C. So she, that's where her two are at. And then she's got her nice Tesla. So, uh, we're sitting here, and so he raises, he opens it up. We're going to raise money. And he put 499 in first. And then I guess everybody else from the Daily Wire did the same thing. And then it went viral. So in eight hours, do you know how much money they raised? $100,000 for Abuela. You want to know what happened at nine hours? It got shut down. GoFundMe notified Matt Walsh that it was shut down because members of the Cortez family declined and refused to take the money. Oh. So maybe Abuela's not so bad off, huh? Maybe the pictures you were showing were just a bunch of drama from a drama queen who's in therapy? Huh? Maybe? Huh? Maybe? Maybe she lied? Because remember, if you take money based on, you know, circumstances and you lie about those circumstances, you can get sued. And all of a sudden, I don't want the money. Why don't you want the money? What about Abuela? Abuela, what about Grandma? Mia, what's going on? Why do you, why do you not look out for me? Maybe Abuela's fine. I don't know. But it seems kind of stupid to turn down the money. And the whole point of this exercise was to show the bartender. Government doesn't fix your problems. It only creates them. And your neighbors, people that don't even know you or like you, will step up. We'll help Abuela, even though you won't. It's, it's astonishing that the bartender doesn't realize the charity that is in the heart of the American people. Because I guarantee you, she has none. She isn't giving anything to anybody other than a hard time. 
driving Nancy Pelosi crazy. Short trip, but have at it. We'll have more because every week she's got more and more. But that's the update. Abuela, maybe not doing so bad after all. So the money, $100,000, was rejected and refunded, as GoFundMe handles it, back to everybody that contributed. That was the safest bet. All you, you could have donated your mortgage payment and your 401k, and you would have gotten every nickel back because there was no way the bartender was going to take it. Be the peace. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Be the peace. Don't let emotion get the best of you. Remember, you are the resistance. God bless you, your family, and America. America.